Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey, NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks. Tam, Renee, and my man Kenny. How you guys doing? What it do, Kenny? I feel like I just saw you yesterday, Renee, so I'm not going to ask you how you doing. Is that rude? <laughs> Practically. <laughs> well, you did. That's why. I mean, That's I was funny. with you was all good. day. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> what else can I say to you? I know. It's kind of fair, I guess, right? I mean, y'all just spent the whole day at Fontana yesterday. I guess that's kind of fair. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I will tell you, Kenny, man, uh, and you can ask Tam. We were missing you yesterday, man. We, we we really wanted you to be there. I know, man. It's crazy. You know what? I don't think we've all together been at the track at the same time, like all three of us. That's the crazy part. I definitely got to make that happen sooner or later. We got to make it happen. Although, even though Renee and I were at the track together, we weren't really together during the race. A lot of that is because I was doing some extracurriculum activity, trying to make sure there were a group of guys, it was their first race ever, and I ended up getting in a conversation with them and hanging out with them on pit road and taking them to meet some of the people. And Renee was a little bit late, so he missed a driver's meeting. Yeah, so I I feel like I was a little bit solo, but we were together at the end of the race when it mattered because our boy Alex Bowman, can I say that again? Alex Bowman got his second career win and his first win of the season. It was actually kind of exciting. I don't know why I feel connected to Alex and maybe it's because a couple of years ago we interviewed him when we were down in Daytona thanks to Valvoline. But I've also actually hung out with Alex on two other occasions because one time I was supposed to do something with Chase Elliott in Texas and Chase got really sick. So Alex came in his place and that was pretty cool. And he's just a really good guy and he has a lot of personality. And I'm glad we're finally getting the opportunity to see his personality because he was in rare form. Well, I guess I can't say rare form, but he was really himself yesterday, Sunday, because we're, re- well, actually, so we try not to say yesterday and today on the podcast because the race was on Sunday. We're recording this podcast on Monday and you guys probably won't listen to it until Wednesday. So disregard the yesterday, today, whatever. I'll just say after he won on Sunday, he was in rare form and he was so excited. And oh, wait, I just said it again. I'm not trying to say he was in rare form. He was himself. This is what happens when you're doing a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. You say things that you don't really want to say. But yeah, (laughs) you guys get what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Right. We got it. Quickly, Renee, how was your Saturday? We can't really say weekend because we know you were at the track. So, Renee, how was your Saturday? And Kenny, how was your weekend? Okay. Well, real quick, this past weekend was uh, the last couple of days with my son. Uh, He had been in town for almost two weeks. And so we ended Saturday, uh, believe it or not, driving back from Vegas. And I know you guys are not going to be surprised at all by any means. And anybody that listens to our podcast should not even be surprised by any of my (laughs) extracurricular activities 
uh, or my day, especially if you follow me on my own personal Instagram, because you'll probably just get tired of me just, just talking about it. But we spent the day driving back from Vegas, went straight here to, uh, get a shower and get dressed and uh my roommate and uh and another friend including my son obviously uh we went to go see a EDM DJ that was playing over in downtown LA at one of the clubs this is actually one of my favorites uh the name is Galantis and I'm not sure if you're familiar with him Tam because I know you listen to a lot of EDM music yourself but they're actually one of my my hidden favorites DJs of EDM music and we spent the night watching them got home at a decent hour and still able to get up Sunday morning to drop my son off on time to make his flight at Burbank airport and make it back to pick up my my roommate and head out to the track to meet Tam where we absolutely loved the race my my friend loved the race and thank you Tam for being us get him into his first NASCAR race he absolutely had a blast, even though we were a little nervous because we weren't sure the rain was going to hold up or not. And we thought that, you know, the race was going to be washed out. So he was glad that the race continued. Kenny, before you share your weekend, I want to ask something about the race. And yes, we're going to get to some NASCAR talk in just a bit. Well, actually, I'm going to talk some NASCAR really quick. Now, I was so confused about what was happening with the rain because it was actually raining, but we raced. It went from like a rain to a drizzle to a rain to a drizzle and everything was still going on. Although I felt that the opening ceremonies were dragging on and I just had it in my mind like, oh, they're dragging it on because they're trying to wait this weather out. But all of a sudden it was like start your engines. So every NASCAR race I've ever been to, which includes a whole bunch of races, I never not walked the grid before the start of the race. I was so confused on what was going on. I actually went back to the media center to dump some things off my phone because my phone kept saying that it was full. And then next thing I know, it was like the national anthem. And for those who are wondering, yes, people in the media center do stand up for the national anthem, which is interesting because do people stand up for the national anthem at their home? I've heard of it. <laughs> I've heard some people do. But hey, you know, teach his own. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it's common. I've listened to a lot of TV analysts, sports TV analysts talk about it, especially when it was the controversy, uh, the NFL situation. And people were like, they didn't stand up at home. I don't know. I'm not. I'm. You know what? I don't even want to go there because I know that's a touchy subject. Kenny, how was your weekend? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my weekend was uh, pretty good. Friday, went out bowling. That was pretty fun. Oh, right. Um, right unfortunately, on. I only won one game. Kind of sucks. Well, you know, me and <laughs> Renee are bowlers. We stroke. See, I don't bowl that often. That's the crazy part. That, that's the thing. I really, I like bowling, right? But I just don't do it that often. So, of course, um, of course, my girlfriend convinced me to go bowling this time. And of course, unfortunately, I lost. But, you know, it is what it is. Had some good food. Went to this uh, place called Blaze Pizza, which I'm not sure. If it is in any other location, I don't know if they have them in California or not, but pretty good food. That was fun. And then on Blaze Saturday. Pizza? Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, they it used to be good. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's good anymore. You know, that's the one that LeBron James owns. Oh, I didn't know that was the one he owned, but oh, at least the one out here was pretty good. I, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, they changed the dough. It's good. not as great as it used to be, but that's just my thought. Ah. Nah, 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 nah. I feel that. You know, that's what happens when you franchise restaurants. Stuff starts changing in one location. Yep. It's good here. It's bad there. But um, Saturday, put together a desk and a chair set up. So now I have a somewhat of an office look. 
in my apartment now. So I kind of got an office in here now with my desk, which I'm actually recording this episode with. So that's kind of cool. And after that, Sunday, kick back, watch the race. Of course, I'm sure most of y'all know by this point, did social media for MRM, did my thing. And then after that, I watched the Lakers and the Pelicans play. I just wanted to see Zion Williamson play a little bit. So that was pretty cool. He had a great game. You know, he lost. They, they scored like 35. So yeah, I think that pretty much sums up my weekend. Not as exciting as you guys. Getting to be at Fontana. <laughs> yes. Really quick, LeBron and Zion, that's their second meetup, right? Yeah. And like maybe like two or three days. Yeah. But hey, look, that first one though, I knew it was I knew it was gonna happen. My buddy texted me and told me he was like, Man, you ready to watch that game tonight? I'm like, nah, man, them young is going to LA. They're getting that LA nightlife. They probably gonna end up losing, I'm telling you. And they ended up losing. <laughs> mm. LA Nightlife undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> well, it used to be Miami Nightlife was undefeated, but I feel like uh, when you are new to the city of Los Angeles, I guess you can get a little caught up. But when you're born and raised here, you're like, okay, whatever. On to the next. <laughs> I guess we can go next and get back into some NASCAR talk. Top 10 from Fontana. Well, I guess should we say Top 10 from the Auto Club Speedway. Your boy, Alex Bowman with the W. He led 110 laps. Kyle Busch came in second. His old brother, older, I don't want to say old brother, but his older brother was right behind him in third. Chase Elliott, fourth. Brad Kozlowski, fifth. Denny Hamlin, sixth. Jimmy Johnson, another top 10 finish for Mr. Seven Time. He actually led 10 laps and kudos to the auto club speedway they did a great job of honoring jimmy johnson his daughter and wife they dropped the flag for the start of the race if you went around the track you saw different murals that were painted for jimmy johnson and actually in the media center they had a bunch of jimmy johnson photos so that was great to kind of send him off in his last race as a full-time cup driver Eric Amarola came in 8th, Kevin Harvick came in ninth, and Eric Jones came in 10th. Notables, Martin Truex Jr., who had a terrible day, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, he came in 14th. Ryan Blaney, who actually led 54 laps, came in 19th. And Clint Boyer, who was our pole sitter, he only led 10 laps, and he came in 23rd. That is our top 10 from Fontana. I do want to talk a little bit about the Alex Bowman guy. <laughs> I love that win. It it was exciting. It really wasn't that exciting, but it was, if that makes sense. I was just happy for him. Yeah. Nah, you can't help not to be, honestly. Like, you really just can't help it. Yeah, like, we were standing over by, I know we stood over between I think Clint Boyer and Jimmy Johnson's place over there. And I remember Tam saying, hey, you, do you want to go and stand over by Bowman's uh, people? And I said, yeah, you know what? Let's go over there. And uh, I mean, this was before like he was not, this wasn't even at the, towards the end of the race. It was probably like maybe like maybe almost at the beginning of the last part of the race. But I just remember telling Tam at one point, it's so loud down there. You know, I was trying to not to yell in her ear and bust her eardrum, but I was trying to, seriously, I was trying, I was trying not to so hard. And then I was trying not to like 
throw my voice out yelling either. But at one point, I just turned to her and I said, you know, I said, I don't know if you've really been paying attention, but if things just keep the way they are, this kid is going to win this race. And then at one point, you just saw all the cameras coming over little by little. And I said, yes, you know what? They're expecting Alex to win this race. And sure enough, man, thank God he didn't have any cautions come up. And, you know, he finished it out. And I'm like, Tam, I was just happy for this kid. I mean, it's hard not to be. I mean, it's just a feel-good type of story, really, with this kid. It's just, he's amazing. And you're right, Tam. I think maybe we just have a little bit of just one-sidedness to him because because of the fact that we interviewed him and we met him and we we saw a little bit of his personality. What a good kid. He's a great driver. And boy, man, I I mean, I can't can't imagine what it's going to be like at the end of this kid's career. That's for sure. Yeah, and I just want to add something. Like... We straddle, especially me, I straddle between fan and media. And for our new listeners, I used to write for thedrive.com and I've been around the sport for many years. I'm a member of the Motorsports Press Association and all that good stuff. So I straddle the fence. And when we kind of dote on a driver, especially me, like unlike a lot of press, my interviews aren't just sitting in the media center talking to these guys are on the track. Like I've been to dinner with these guys. In fact, when Renee and I interviewed Alex, it was at dinner, which was interesting because remember we were like, yeah, we're not going to be able to use the recording of this because we went from having dinner to like, Hey, let's sit over here and interview Alex Bowman and then back to drinking and having fun. And even the time I hung out with him in Dallas, it was Alan, who is Chase Elliott's crew chief and Kyle Petty and a bunch of other people. And what were we doing? Having barbecue and macaroni and cheese. And they were putting back beers. And I won't, (laughs) I won't put that on Kyle or Alex or Alan either, but People in the room were putting back beers and we were just eating at a restaurant. So it's a little bit different and not that we're claiming to know anybody personally, because of course we don't. We just have hung out with a few people. It's just a kind of different vibe. So that's why we're doting on, is doting a word? Yeah, it's a word. That's why we're doting on Alex Bowman. Interesting. He talked a little bit about his situation with every year being a contract year because people in the media center was asking him, how does this work out with him winning? And he lost sponsorship. So it's always kind of a tricky situation with Alex year by year, but it can't help his cause to win. I'm excited that he's won. And on that note, he talked a little bit about some tattoo situations and I ended up being on Twitter looking at some of the 88 tattoos that people have gotten in the past. And of course, those were to honor Dale Earnhardt Jr. People are crazy. I'm not quite sure if I'm getting a I love Dale Jr. tattoo (laughs) unless he's my husband. And even then, that's just a little weird to me. But yeah, so stay tuned to see what type of tattoo Alex gets. Yeah. Did you guys enjoy the race? Just randomly? I know I did. I know it's always different when you're actually there at the racetrack as compared to maybe just watching it on TV, but uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And maybe I had my buddy with me, so that kind of, I was having a good time because he was having a good time. But but I think overall, I'll be honest with you, had he had not come, I think I still would have enjoyed the race uh, regardless. I think I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was much better than last year's um, Fontana race, if I'm being quite honest. I thought it was pretty fun. 
restarts are pretty crazy. We had a lot of guys mix it up at the front. I mean, obviously, Jimmy Johnson led some laps. Clint Boyer led some laps from the jump. I thought for a long stretch, I mean, all weekend long, Blaney had a really good car. And I thought he was going to take it home for a moment. I mean, he seemed like it, but until he had that issue, you know, that was all she wrote with that tire thread. And it was pretty, pretty bad. I saw a picture somewhere, but yeah, overall, I thought it was a fun race. I know it's not necessarily everybody's cup of tea because it isn't 750 horsepower and no downforce, but I thought it was fun for what it was, if I'm being honest. It was a, it was a good race to me. I really enjoyed it. I'm sure there's some people that didn't, but I think a good chunk of people should have enjoyed it. I don't have the poll we took up because we do a poll right at the end of the second stage and ask people their thoughts and if they're enjoying the race so far. But I do remember when I looked at Jeff Gluck's poll earlier, he always asked after the race, was it a good race? And of course, this being no different, he asked, was Fontana a good race? And 75% of the people who voted said yes, and 25% said no. And of course, we know most of that 25% probably said no because their driver didn't win because that's usually how these things go. But I actually thought it was a, a great race. We, like I said earlier in the notables, Alex dominated the race. He led over half the laps with 110 laps, but Ryan Blaney led some laps as well as Clint Boyer and Jimmy Johnson. So I thought it was great. And then you had a lot of mix up in the back because at one point you were like, okay, Kyle is coming. And then you were like, Blaney's coming. So yeah, I I thought it was a great race. Going back to Martin Truex Jr., I only called bits and pieces, but I know he failed inspection and he was talking mucho gracias crap on the <laughs> on the radio. Did you catch any of it, Kenny <laughs> or Renee? Yeah, he was mad. <laughs> he was mad on the radio. He said quite a quite a few things on the radio to his teammates. The Joe Gibbs guys got into each other a couple times, so they were already all mad and. I guess that added insult to injury with his weekend starting off with an inspection failure. Because I believe his car chief said they had passed it one time and the second time around there was an issue. And so they had to go change something. And of course he got ejected. So, you know, that was that. So, and then starting from the back wasn't probably fun for him. It was fun to watch to me as a, as a, um, as a spectator. I thought that was pretty interesting. But yeah, he was pretty, pretty hyped up. But again, comes the one thing we know he ain't finna do as he said if that 22 car comes around me i'm finna wreck him i'm just paraphrasing on what he said you'll see what he said on radioactive for real but i'm like you're not gonna wreck him because guess what you still ain't won the damn war and joey logano definitely won it last time around he said that he was gonna wreck him as soon as he got around him so yeah rough day for him but i think joe gibbs is just having a little bit of a rough start even though denny hamlin has won the 500 so it'll 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 fizzle itself out, but I think he'll be A-OK going to uh, Phoenix next week or this weekend. I remember you text me and you said something about that. And I was like, huh? Because you, when you're at the track, you don't necessarily take in every single thing that's going on. You miss a lot. And I realized that every time I would come home from the track, like anytime I came home from the track and watched the race there and I rewatched the replay, I'm like, dang, I miss this. I miss that. Because you can't see everything, you know, you're moving one place to another all the time. Speaking of getting into it, I know Denny Hamlin <laughs> had jammed up Larson, <laughs> which was crazy. <laughs> but what was even crazier was what happened after the fact. Did you guys see yeah, the video? Yeah, the grocery store. Yeah. 
Yeah, did you guys see that tweet? I was like, what? I thought it was, I'm going to be honest with you, I thought it was hilarious. And me being a comedian, I was like, am I the only one that thought that was hilarious? But I looked up the tweet, and there were a lot of people that actually thoroughly enjoyed that tweet from Teddy. Nah, that was nah, that was like pure comedy. But I swear, that McDonald's car is cursed. Like, I mean, that McDonald's car is absolutely cursed. It hasn't won in like years. I think it's on like a long, long losing streak. It's crazy. Yeah. The funny thing is, I thought they had gotten out the business. No, I think they stuck around. Oh, that's Target that I'm thinking about, not McDonald's. Yeah, they they scaled back a whole lot. I remember they used to have a car all the time, but yeah, because they used to be on the Jamie McMurray's car, right? Right. Yup, that was it. They stayed in Ganassi, but damn, that McDonald's car I don't think has a won since like the 90s, if I'm not mistaken. Jimmy Spencer, you might be right. Holy smokes. <laughs> I think Jimmy Spencer was the last win in a McDonald's branded NASCAR cup car at Talladega in the 90s, I think. Someone can correct me on that on Twitter. <laughs> but I think that's right. <laughs> Boy. Speaking of Twitter, Twitter is up in arms about the new lug nut situation. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My God. I know, obviously, we don't say from a, from a time frame on this on these podcasts, but... If you don't know, the news has came out that NASCAR next year, since they're going to the new car, they're going to a brand new tire. It's going to be a bigger tire than the tire you see it now. It's going to be 18 inches, and it's going to be, I don't know if you guys know about too much about the car culture, but the BBS rims, if you've ever seen them on a sports car, BMW in particular, they will be the tire, they will be the rim supplier, excuse me, they'll be the supplier of the rim now. So it'll be on BBS rims, one lug, if you guys watch F1, V8 supercars, or Pretty much anything that's a sports car, that's like kind of basically the same thing. And people are like really, really upset about this. And I'm like, well, if you're upset about this, there's a ton of things you should have been upset about in NASCAR. Because I mean, hey, look, let's just put it in perspective. Everyone's so gung-ho about it being a stock car. Well, a stock car ain't never really truly has been a stock car off the showroom floor. Never has been. I mean, yeah, there's a ton of changes. They will probably go against the grain for a lot of people that are mad at this, like electronic fuel injection. We just got that like not long ago, and that's a relatively like newer technology, but it's the same thing with the tire. They've been keeping the five lugs on since the 40s or wherever it is, whenever NASCAR started. Now we're switching to something that's more modern. That's what you're going to want anyway if the goal is to attract more OEMs, like just an example... Hyundai, Honda, something of that nature. You gotta go with what they're what they're doing on the street as well. Single lugs. It's not gonna completely change everything. It's really not gonna be the end of the world. Pit stops aren't gonna change. Just they, the choreography is gonna be the exact same. Still, it's just the guy who is putting the tire on is now just gonna have to be really quick and have really really quick handout coordination. That's just gonna be the difference. Like that's the big difference now. So it'll be a little bit different, but I don't think it's like the end of the world. And you know. I just think people just need to relax, if I'm being honest. Y'all can add me. I mean, I got the time. So if you want to add Kenny to talk one. about it, he's at yeah, Front for real. Row I'm, Kenny. I'm dead serious. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to leave that serious. one alone. Like, I just think there's so many changes going on, and NASCAR has to do something to keep the fans happy and to attract new fans, but yeah, there's a no, lot right. happening with that next-gen car next year. I don't know. It's weird because I feel like people like the car. It's the just car looks spectacular. Like look yeah, no, it looks fantastic. It sounds great. The the worry that everyone had was, 
with this new car, it was going to sound like a vacuum cleaner and it wasn't going to be loud and it's still loud as it can be. It's got what you want if you're say, a traditional louder. fan. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's it's crazy. Like, it, it sounds really, really good. It's If you guys are car people that are listening to this podcast, which I assume for the most part, it's got an X-Pipe, which a lot of old stock cars used to have in NASCAR, like in the Gen 4 days or whatever you want to call it, early 90s or late 90s to early 2000s. It's got the same X-Pipe. It sounds loud. It's a looks like a fast race car. It's just going to be different. That's just what it's going to be. I don't know what you want. Everyone wants to change the car. Everyone wants to change this, that, and the third. Well, here it is. And that's what it's going to be next year, and it's going to keep changing. So, I mean, hey, either you like it or you don't. Well, it's interesting you <laughs> talked about the sound, because remember what happened when Formula One changed their engines? They messed that one up. <laughs> they did want that one badly. That was pretty bad. I, I can agree on, on fans. Yeah, because it like, went from to <laughs> if you guys heard like an old one. F1 car sounds insane <laughs> oh my gosh insane but yeah i don't think there needs to be as much uproar though about this single lug it's not gonna change much most of these people don't even care about pit stops already wow so i don't know why i don't know why everyone's going so crazy because the only time you ever hear about a pit stop is when someone either a gets hit b screws up or it completely changes the race it's the only time you ever hear about it and that's really it so wow. you know that's that if you got comments at Kenny at Front Row <laughs> on Twitter, or you can at the podcast user turns no breaks across the board. On that note, for those who want to at Kenny, I think this is a proper <laughs> transition. I may have messed that one up, but I wanted to go in the fan comment of the week. I, I usually <laughs> do the transitions a little bit more exciting. I just kind of dropped the ball on that one. But we haven't done a fan comment of the week in a while, so. I'm going to give you a fan comment of the week, and I'm taking this one straight from the NASCAR Reddit board. There was a question posted by user Fire Steve O'Donnell. Oh, I didn't even realize that until just now when I read it. But his question, and bear with me because it's a bit of a doozy. He says, is SHR really that good? And he says, like the title says, is Stuart House Racing really an elite team? Obviously. They're solid, but every year there's been one constant, Harvick kicking the ass of his teammates. Even with talents like Kurt Busch driving for them, no SHR driver has gotten anywhere near Kevin's level of performance. He basically carries the team. Last year, he won four races and made the championship four while all the other cars went winless and one missed the playoffs entirely. While SHR is definitely a good team. Are they really on the level of Gibbs, Penske, and lately Hendrick? Do they put more focus into the number four card? Or is Kevin Harvick just that good? I'm just going to, there were a lot of comments to this question. I bet. I'm not going to no, read them bet. all, of course, because there are too many. I'm just going to scroll up or down. I don't know however you do it on your computer. And I'm just going to pick three at random. And let's see. Picking at random. I actually saw some good ones, but I don't want to be biased in what I read. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll just pick this one. It says, I think it is worth noting that despite not winning eight races, Kurt was very, very solid in 2018. Overall, though, SHR is NASCAR's Red Bull in F1. It is a top level team, but it is 
is carried by their number one driver. Okay. At random. IMO, they play fourth fiddle to the teams you mentioned at least of late. Kevin has had success and Kurt did well when he was there. But recently, yeah, it looks pretty grim. The four will stay competitive this season, but I wouldn't be surprised if Clint, Custer, and Amarola miss the playoffs. Ouch. It's interesting because I think I may agree with the latter part of that comment where he says, well, I, you know, I think Clint may make the playoffs, but I don't really foresee Cole Custer or Amarillo making it. And then I'll just read one more comment at, I'll just read one more comment at random. Always put RCR and RFR in the same category. Once they lost their elites, Things never were the same. Harvick, Kenseth, Edwards, Biffle, even Earnhardt to an extent. I think that like some of those comments are probably like somewhat accurate. I think they're like a very good team. I mean, a very good organization. Let me say it like that. A very good organization. I just think the year before this, they were really, really good as a whole. Like all four of them were really, really strong at a point. I mean, even... Even like um, last year with Clint Boyer, even though he didn't go so far in the playoffs, he was on, he was on a hot streak right before he got in, and he had a couple of bad days. But I think overall, it's just that maybe Harvick is just that good. Maybe maybe that's just a case for him. I don't think it may be a case where you have one guy getting this, one guy getting that, or one guy not getting it, or unless they are not on that same Gibbs model where all four cars are coming out the same shop and it's this, that, and the third. But you know. They've had their weird, they've had weird points where they're really good and they've had points where they're just like, okay. I mean, even Harvick's last year, that four wins mark was kind of low, which is for him was a low, which is weird to say. But yeah, I think they're going to be fine. And again, if this is like a early, a early comment, early judgment, it's just like a lot of people have said the same thing about Gibbs. They don't seem as good as they think or. You know, Hendrick seems way ahead of everybody right now. So it's a long, long way to go. And, you know, maybe that might change this year. Who knows? Renee, before you jump in, you just mentioned Gibbs. And I was literally reading a comment where somebody said, depends on the measuring stick. Depends on the measuring stick you are using. Are you comparing them to JGR? JGR filled 75% of the playoff slots last year. It seems like that is the team that most are comparing them to, which IMO isn't entirely fair. And he goes on, but for the most part, yeah, I think everybody, well, I mean, see, I put Hendrick, JGR, and Stuart Haas up there. Those are like, at least I used to think that they were elite teams, but reading these comments and when I really process it, I wouldn't have Eric or Cole Custer on my team, but that's just me. I would keep Clint only because Clint is good for business from a marketing standpoint. At least I think Kevin can drive and, and not that Clint can't drive because, you know, once he got in better equipment, he started doing better. But now you're in better equipment. So you got to do great, not just better. But yeah, I don't I, I never thought that Eric Amarola was a fit for Stuart Haas. I thought that Daniel Suarez was a stretch, but I liked Kurt Busch when he was with SHR. But yeah, I think Larson, nobody really knows the situation with his contract, but I would like to see Larson at um, Stuart House. But those are just my thoughts. Renee? I'm kind of going to ride with Kenny on this one too. I, I used to think maybe, you know, maybe they were kind of playing, the other drivers were playing second fiddle, but 
I'm kind of like just thinking to myself that maybe maybe Harvick is, is that good. Uh, and it's obviously he's really good. Uh, but I think maybe some people like like what you were talking about, Tam, where, where they, some of these people that are responding to that question are comparing them to some of these other teams. I mean, well, heck, even if you look on the other side of the, you know, and see the Penske crew over there, all those guys are pretty good themselves. And, and I think maybe because they're comparing that, it, maybe it, it stands out to where it, it looks bad. Uh, maybe maybe not looks bad, but maybe it looks like the other drivers are playing second fiddle to Kevin Harvick. And I certainly hope that that wouldn't be the point, but it just goes to show you, you know, how much when you have one driver just continuously winning and outshining the other drivers, it's hard to not ask, well, what's the deal? You know, are they just not putting enough focus on the other drivers? Are they just kind of putting all their focus on Kevin then yeah, that wouldn't be fair, but I, I don't think that that's happening at all. I just think Kevin Harvick is just really that good. You have my opinion, you have Renee's opinion, and you have Kenny's opinion. Add us. Renee is at It's Renee Garcia. I'm at I Am Sincerely Tam. And Kenny, once again, is at Front Row Kenny. And the Twitter for the podcast is Turns No Breaks. So if you got something to say, we want to hear from you. On that note, let's move on to some predictions. <laughs> it's time for race predictions. Who you got, Renee? All right. So we are in Phoenix this coming weekend. So let's see here. I am going to go with the driver that I thought had a really good day yesterday himself. And I think he's probably going to carry it into the weekend coming into Phoenix. And I think he's going to show out. I'm going to go with Kyle Busch as my winner in victory lane. And I'm actually going to go as my alternative pick. I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney on this one. So Kyle Busch is going to be my winner. And my alternative pick is going to be Ryan Blaney. Those are my picks. And Kenny, I'm sticking to them. All right. It's just like you said, we're heading to Phoenix. So with that being said, now, actually, that's our championship this year as well in November. But for the spring race, I think I'm actually going to roll with Denny Hamlin is my pick. I believe he is going to be a force to reckon with. We've got the low down force package. We've got a small spoiler. He is a short track guy. No, Phoenix is not a short track. It's intermediate, but it drives like a short track. So I think he'll he'll do pretty well in those conditions. I think he's going to be shaping up to look for a win. Now, if I had to pick an alternative pick, a guy who ran really well there in the fall, almost got himself into the championship four. I'm going to roll with Chase Elliott, who is also a pretty profound short track race himself before he hit the cup series. So those are my two picks. You know, we need that history lesson. So what's up, Miss Tam? What you got? No history lesson today. You want to know why? Because None? the racing sucks at Phoenix. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, seriously, that's what I was thinking about. Like, do we really care about Phoenix? It's just going to be, it may be better. I don't know, but. You never know. I just keep thinking, like, what is the championship race going to be like at the end of the year in Phoenix? We'll see. I hope it's much better, if I'm being honest. No history lesson straight to my picks. I'm rolling with Kevin Harvick. No, actually, I said that it would be cool if Alex Bowman went back to back and he's from Arizona. So Alex is going to be my alternative. And Kevin, I was thinking was going to be my alternative. I'm not sure what's going on with him. But since we just talked about him carrying the whole Stewart clan, I'm going to pick him as my winner. And that was just really random. So I am going with Kevin Harvick for the win and Alex Bowman as my alternative. Right on. 
Those are our picks. What say you, fans? Hit us up on our podcast and let us know who you think is going to be in victory lane this weekend in Phoenix. Do you have an alternative pick? Hey, we'd like to hear about it too. So let me see what you got and we'll compare it to ours. And please, like Tim says, you know, hit us up on our social media across the board at Turns No Breaks and you can follow us individually as well. Ladies and gentlemen, for all of us here at All Turns No Breaks, for Kenny, Tam, and myself, we always appreciate you tuning in, and we'll see you again next week on another episode of All Turns No Break. See y'all next week. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in. 